Make a buttercup wicked tongue whips them rise. Got that split quick sugar stick type of life. Honey lip, huh? Luscious kiss. Don't this right here taste like this? Next level smashing it. Grip the mic off the rhythm hit. Welcome to the Truth to Power podcast. This is Curious G. This week, I ain't driving this car. This week, my man, man, my ace, Ace Cannon, has got the controls, and he's taken on the topic of poverty. Let's see what he's got on the shelf. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Truth to Power. I'm your host, Ace Cannon, along with Curious G, mm. popsicle eater. Hmm. Hey, you eat good popsicles. Mm. I'll give you credit on that. You do eat the good popsicles. Goddamn, I'm addicted to these motherfuckers, man. <clears throat> could be, could be worse, right? Could be other things. Could be worse. Now I needed to be on my best behavior because this motherfucker said he's the host today. That's right. Things are gonna go a little bit different today. Oh shit! <laughs> We're putting mess. boundaries up in this. <laughs> <laughs> Here come the stats. Yeah. Oh. I got notebooks. Your boy bought <laughs> notebooks. I'm uh, just messing with you. But I do got a couple stats here and there. Um, <clears throat> so this week, uh, I'm going to be taking the reins a little bit more. And we're going to be talking um, our third segment, I guess in a sense, um, about poverty. And uh, second, well, second. with Milia, two and a half. Well, yeah, she, yeah, it was all in one episode. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Two episodes, the last two episodes um, <clears throat> about that. And one of the, one of the things that, you know, that last week, Curious told me to think about, was to be curious mm. um, about um, basically how I was going to look at, how I was going to look at poverty. And the one thing that I actually wanted to talk about was how is poverty portrayed in the media is one thing I thought about. Uh, because one thing we talk about con- pretty consistently on this podcast is how the media affects, mm. um, you know, the story. Um, basically how things sound, how things are. And that's kind of my thought I was just thinking about. Uh, you know, I think that they definitely play a role in everything. So they have some sort of sentiment in type, you know, inside of trying to portray a message um, where it doesn't seem like poverty is that bad in the mainstream media. You know, we're always having record record months of jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, the, a new new record on the NASDAQ and blah, 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 blah. So it never seems like there's anything really wrong. Um, we know that that's not necessarily true. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? How do you think the media portrays poverty in today's day and age of media? You know, the first thing I, I thought of, I didn't think about in the news. I actually thought about television. Um, my, my thoughts started to shift towards... Uh, the Cosby show, hmm. right? When the Cosby show came out. And I think it was a great thing that we showed like African-Americans being able to have, you know, the the doctor lawyer jobs and different storylines than let's say the show Good Times, right? Which I was a fan of Good Times. I love that show. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't think we would see that show today. I don't think we'd see Good Times. Do you remember Good Times? I mean, vaguely, you know, it wasn't necessarily, it was a little bit before my time. And even the Nick and Knight stuff was already still, it was even a little bit before that too. Yeah. So the stuff I saw so, Nick and Knight was never even that. There was a bunch of comedy shows that challenged a lot of social things. One of them was All in the Family, right? Maud 
was was connected to all in the family as far as the the same type of humor and and uh florida evans was the maid on the show maud they ended up doing a spinoff of uh of Maud, and that became Good Times, the same way that the Jeffersons was a spinoff of uh, All in the Family. Mm-hmm. But all these kind of comedies, they brought a lot of civil rights and a lot of the issues that were happening on the streets into people's living rooms. And and something that, that I've tried to do on this show is, is have some difficult conversations, but sometimes use some humor, some music, you know, some art, things like that. But what I liked about Good Times was... Um, this was a, a, a family that was in the projects in Chicago, I think it was, and they had issues, right? But the, the name of the show, Good Times, like they were always about the things that brought them together. And if you looked at all the kids that like they were raising three kids, if you looked at all the kids that they had, they were all into good stuff. You know, none of them were really into the bad stuff and the family stayed together. The mother and father were together until the husband died and they they dealt with things. But it was about keeping that family together and um, no matter what. And and you said that you don't think a show like that could work today? I I can't think of the last show that that showcased um, families really in poverty like that. Um, uh, You know, in the black community... Right, I can't remember a show that's been like that for a long time. For sure, um, it seems like, and you know, not not to say that there, look, you know, that there is a lot of people that are uh, African Americans that that um, are the Cosbys today, you know, that are um, financially doing very well. But there's also a lot that isn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For sure. And I, I think that the message that the that, that show Good Times carried was, you know, you can be in poverty and you can be concerned with politics because they were. You could be intelligent because they were. You could be artists because they were, right? Like on that show, there was an artist, the, the oldest son, Mr. Dynamite, JJ, he, he, he painted, you know, he did oil paintings that were amazing, you know? Uh, his sister was, um, I forget her name, but she was all about, you know, uh, the, the women's movement that was coming up at the time, you know, the civil rights and things like that. And the youngest, Michael, he was an activist, you know, uh, a political activist. Mm-hmm. So they all had these like big passions about what was going on in the world and in, in, in the midst of poverty. So they brought some things to the forefront on that show that you didn't get on the Cosby show. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I loved the Cosby show, and I was a fan of Bill Cosby for a long time. But, um, you know, I think that just like Cosby, you know, there was a lot of things that was censored, <laughs> you know, and then you peek back behind the curtain, and you're like, what's what's Ooh. hot Cosby got going on in that motherfucker? Everyone's always so tired, and they're around him. I wonder why. It must work so hard. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I can, I can see that. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not, it's, it's weird because the American dream was the story for so long Mm. and you don't really hear about the American dream as often anymore. Um, you know, I know that we've always had poverty. That's, it's just something, but it's, it's hidden, you know, in our country, especially, which is so weird 
because it's the administration, like whoever's in charge, that's basically got us to this point, but it never wants to be talked about. Um, we're up in Seattle and there's definitely a homeless issue. Oh, free Seattle um, is what the homeless call it. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and it makes it, it makes it really difficult for, well, one, you know, just tourism, you know, is down, down in Seattle in the last since COVID in comparison to where it was before, which doesn't, it's not surprising, but that, you know, that kind of makes sense. But I was living downtown for a long time and it was kind of crazy to watch the slow change that was happening. And for the longest time, like I would never see tents up on the sidewalk. And then all of a sudden you just slowly started seeing it. And, you know, one thing that I, one thing that I wanted to make sure and like to, to, to you know, clarify is there's a difference between, you know, being, I guess, like being in poverty and then also being poor. Um, you know, there's a, there's a difference between, cause I think a lot of times they, they're correlated and, you know, yes, a lot of times they do go hand in hand, you know, most of the time when you're impoverished, you're probably not the most wealthy person in the world. They kind of go hand in hand. Um, but you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about is, do you think, like, do you think that, do you think that like, there's like, what, what do you think there's a way out of poverty? Like, do you think that there's actually a way out of it? Mm, um, that's <laughs> it's a loaded question. I know. That's why I didn't know how to quite ask it because I know you. So here's the thing. You're very I, passionate about this. So. I, I do believe, you know, like the idea, and this is, I think, a big Republican idea, right? That you can work hard and, and pull yourself up by the bootstraps and all this and that. You Like I've had a lot of Republican friends and I have one that I was talking to about this today, actually. And and he believes that, that there is equal opportunity for people in this country to work hard and attain. And I think that you have kind of expressed some of those, so some of those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also talked about at one point, you know, the equality of, you know, people looking over a fence mm-hmm. and, and, and not everybody can really see over it because they're different heights, you know, that kind of an idea. And I think the same thing f- f- is, is true. Um, but it isn't just having the ability to work hard, and it isn't just the uh, uh, intellect that comes into things. It's opportunities. So vertical mobility is definitely a thing where mm. people can move from one class out of the other. And the lower you go down in class, as far as you know, moving towards poverty, less opportunities you have. Last week, we talked about a red line area. Right. Let's say you live in a red line area and the schools that you have are underfunded because it's attached to the, the, the housing um, taxes that people pay in that area. So already you have less opportunity for a good quality education because of where you live. And the jobs that are in that area also limit you. So the opportunities limit people. So it isn't just as easy for, let's say, me to change my social economic situation as it is for somebody that comes up in an area that has really good schools. You know what I mean? Like, even though I dealt with poverty because of my mom's addiction, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I was I was an educated kid because my family came from money, right, initially, Right. Um, there was a lot of, there was a higher level of education that went with my, like say my grandmother, she demanded that I be well-spoken. Right. Um, and there was a lot of things that I was exposed to that, that my friends weren't exposed to because of, of, you know, 
the the wealth that was in my history in the family, right? So I had opportunities there, but not everybody has those equal opportunities. You know what For I mean? Sure. And if it never enters into your mind to be able to, oh, I can I can get any job, right? Some people don't believe that because yeah. they've been told their whole lives, like like we talked about uh, in the neighborhood, you're you're you know if you're good at school, people are going to look down on you. Yeah. You know. And so, you know, you got to get past just the intellect sometimes and you got to get past the opportunities and you got to get past the emotions of it all. And, and not everybody can. You know, it's, it's like gift and the curse of algorithms is what I just thought about is that if you can like find the right algorithm that's like positive, you know, building you up, you know, it's really easy to get away like and feel good for a little bit, you know, especially if you don't have a lot around you, mm-hmm. um, you know, mine was sports. So that was my thing. Um, but the more, the more I do this podcast, the more I realize how lucky I am, you know, how blessed I am to have a mother like I have. So, cause education was pressed yeah, fairly hard, you know, growing up. Um, like my mom would always just be like, it's free. Mm. Like, even though now I know like, no, no free, no free lunch is free. Like I know that that whole notion now, like that makes sense. But, but she was like, it's free. Go get, go get as smart as you can. And for some reason I took that like, plane i was like okay and i would just like just read as many books as i can study as much as i can i was like the weird kid that would like ask for ask for extra homework Mm. you know i really like doing math so it's fun to do those time multiplication tables that have like 50 of them you have like a minute you say how many can you answer go Mm. and i would just do that shit but but anyways yeah it's funny how um in the beginning of this podcast in comparison to now how much i've i've changed yeah. Um, and I've realized it the more and more we talk. Cause I remember one thing, one time I was trying to argue or even maybe make my point that, you know, power and money maybe aren't. Right. Names. Right. Right. Yeah. And you didn't see it. I didn't see it. I probably just didn't want to see it because a couple of days later it was fucking clear as day. Yeah. Um, and it is. Well, we have fixed ideas about things. hundred percent. And that's, that's, thank you for that segue. Um, yeah. so what, one thing that I say is, um, you know, the, when you're constantly being told you are that person, you know, like subconsciously and you know, maybe even with unintention, you know, you, you don't even believe you can get out of those systems, you know? And I think like even now it's really difficult to see that, like you were saying, um, do you, do you, like, do you have faith that education will become more prominent again in the society? You know, I think until it really becomes something important to everybody that no, I do not think that the right now, the people that are in charge of our education and we're going to get into social school stuff pretty soon, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that the people that are in charge of our education want us to be educated. I think it's in their benefit that we're not. I think as far as the, the government goes, the only part of our education they should ever have their hands in is paying the fucking bill. I I use that line all the time now. Right. Yeah. Here's your, here's your fucking bill. Right. Because as long as they are the ones that are deciding our curriculum, we're in trouble. And here in, in, in Washington, you know, like I'm looking at the, like the, the agenda for the, the science that they're teaching and they're saying things like science can be arrogant and you've got to consider people's feelings. I remember you. What? Was that you and I talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Science is like the one thing that actually goes after truth and will put truth to the test. 
right? Constantly. You, you take all these different religions and there's no test for the shit, you know, not in the real world, right? They're all different belief systems and things like that. And, you know, everybody seems to think, oh, I'm a Christian because I'm wearing this cross. But if you actually get down to how many different forms of Christianity that there is, you probably don't have the same idea of what God is, Right. Um, you can't really put a lot of faith into religion or politics or any of this stuff, but science is one of those things that we test. We come up with an idea and we put it to the fucking test. And guess what? Either we're right or we're wrong. You know what I mean? And, you know, when it comes to education, I think that here's the flaw that we have, right? What does everybody want? Everybody wants that A plus, right? It's the same as capitalism. It's the same as capitalism. Everybody's competing for this, right? Not everybody's going to get this, not in the way that we educate. So if you look at the way we educate today, it has not changed that much in the last 150 years. Yeah. Our cell phones are so much different than a phone from 100 years ago. Our cars are so much different, right? All these things have progressed, but not schools, not the way that we educate. And in fact, we're starting to devolve because we're cutting programs mm -hmm. like the arts. Yeah. Right? The things that are important is what? Math. And football. English. And football. You know? Yeah. But this is the manipulation that exists in our schools today. I went to Mainland High School. Let me say that clear as day. Mm -hmm. Mainland High School mm -hmm. in Daytona Beach. And we were considered to be in the top 10 in the country for high schools at the time that I was in that high school. Florida, mm -hmm. in the top 10 for the nation. And do you know why Mainland High School was in the top 10? I'm going to say... Oranges. Fuck no. I don't think that oranges have a goddamn thing to do with education. Damn. But what helped is they gave us an STD test. No, not an STD test. S what, what is that test they give S you? SAT? SAT, oh, yeah, because like, that's way different. I was like, whoa, what are you doing over here, bro? What's going on? <laughs> okay. So anyways, getting back to reality, um, they gave us that SAT test a year early. Why? because they wanted to see where we stood so that they could teach us the fucking test. So they took me out of my classes to teach me the test before I took the test. So I missed all my regular classes for an entire year. Why? Because they were prepping me. And they prepped everybody. Anybody that was a little bit behind, right? So our grades are supposed to be an honest reflection of where we are, right? They're not. If they were more people that go to college wouldn't have to take remedial classes to get up to a high school level. Right now, 80% of the people that take a placement test are not at a graduating level right now. And that's just the people that decide to go to high, uh, college, right? But my school, they found a new way to manipulate the system. And it kind of shaped the country after that. Like everybody wanted to get on board with what the fuck we were doing. Right? Were we really that goddamn smart or were we taught the test? I mean, you were taught the test, but within that, there's things that you learned along the way. Maybe. I mean, but realistically, that's what it was, is you were just taught the test. So when you took the mm -hmm. test, it wasn't, you know, if you were to take the ACT after you studied for the SAT, this, you know, the ACT would look crazy. 
but <clears throat> I could see both sides. So when you're talking about testing, mm-hmm. you're talking about somebody that takes in information and is able to regurgitate it. Yeah. But you don't necessarily know how to think along those lines. No, you're not. You criti- haven't developed yeah, critical, critical thinking. Hundred percent. Right. That I- so this is this is the difference between what we're doing now with our education system. Right now, our education system prepares us to be workers. Right. We're going to go through all the steps of a process and jump through hoops and give the right answers and answer the bell when it's fucking wrong. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's uh, that's one of the one of the I'm, I'm very happy that I, I grew up without the Internet because mm. I think of that critical thinking. I think I have a lot more of that because of that. I don't know if that's true or not. It may be completely false, but I feel like one of my, my, my critical thinking is like one of my greatest skills. Because mm. when I was a kid, I always had to think about how to figure everything out for myself. Not that I had bad parents or anything, but when you're a kid, you wander and stuff. You know, you just have to figure things out for yourself. So there's that, you know. You know, I, I think when it comes to, I, I think it com- when it comes to poverty, and we've talked about this in the past, there's a lot of people that are, uh, once they're graduated from high school, they enter into the workforce under the level of, of the poverty level, right? They, they, they don't earn a wage that they're able to get out of poverty and they live the entire lives as Americans under the poverty line, their entire lives, right? So here's a, here's a fact about America. If you look at developed countries like us, we are, have one of the highest poverty levels in the world, in the world. And you're talking about we have twice as much as some countries. Like you'd look at uh, Ireland and France and Switzerland and the Netherlands. and Like literally they have half the poverty levels that we have. And we're supposed to be the wealthiest country in the world. Are we? Well, according to us, we are. Yeah, right. Are we? So, and, and the way that that all happened was after World War II... Every Navy had been destroyed worldwide except for ours. We had the only standing Navy after World War II, and we were able to lock down the trade on the oceans, right? So this is one of the things that propelled us, besides all that slavery stuff in our history. That helped. That that built that generational wealth. Mm -hmm. But after World War II, it was having the only standing Navy. So we were really, we had fucking trade in our back pocket, and, and since then, uh, we have also been in all over the world doing the work of the banks. Yeah. Right? Going mm-hmm. here and there and, and taking the resources from other Selling countries. Selling freedom. Selling yeah. freedom, baby. Yeah. Promoting freedom. Yeah, that's so wild. It's so crazy when you start to just sit back and look at things. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, huh, that's interesting. It's crazy where that money's coming from. Pharmaceutical companies did well since Afghanistan. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. But we don't have the education to ask, why am I going to this war? Yeah. <clears throat> so one thing that we talked about, um, you know, we've, we've talked about and made mention more so, and, you know, crime is a lot of times associated uh, with poverty. Um, you know, just because of the neighborhoods that we're in, when you don't have a lot, you need, a, you need more, you're going to go figure out how to go get more. It just seems to be a simple equation. Um, now, <clears throat> with... With that being said, do you think that, you know, do you think that with, 
with all these with all these systems that aren't being you know properly funded because what's so crazy is that like a, a lot of money gets put into these systems mm-hmm. you know billions of dollars get put into you know the system of education but yet it doesn't seem like anything is you know happening now why would you think that this you know i know on the surface level but why would you think that they would not want us to be as smart as possible? <laughs> you know? Were we the people government that could vote people in? If we actually got active with things, <clears throat> they might not have jobs. If Let's say you get out of high school and you are making minimum wage and to make ends meet, you have to work two or three jobs like many Americans do. Now, maybe we have given people uh, a 40-hour work week where they would get paid overtime if they work beyond that. But how many people are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week, right? Because the companies that they are working for won't give them a full 40, and they're making such low wages that they have to work so much. Mm -hmm. These people are not being involved with politics. They're not thinking about it. They're thinking about how to get through the day. Right now, you've just taken the right of an American away. You've taken their voice away by an economic pressure that they cannot get out of. And then let's say that person's a single parent and they got a couple kids at home. If you're working two or three jobs, which some mothers do, some fathers do that are raising kids, right? They're not home taking care of the kids. Their kids are like me, turnkey kid running fucking wild in the streets, yeah, you know? And then we blame the parents because they're not taking care of their kids. Sometimes yeah. that's economic. It's not like the parents don't want to be at home. No, now, for sure. there is some parents that don't give a fly fuck. My mom was one of those people that wasn't really around very much and she had better things to do, right? But at the same time, how many more parents would be involved? How many more people would be involved with politics if they had some fucking breathing room? yeah. You give somebody the ability to survive on 32 hours a week, right? Maybe they're going to look around the world and be concerned about our political system. You ever heard You ever heard someone say that election day should be a national holiday? Hmm. A paid national holiday? You would think in a we the people form of government. Right. Yeah, which mm. is nuts. Um, so I was watching the newsroom recently um, when I knew that we were going to be talking and I was going to be talking a bit more. Uh, you have not seen that show, if I'm correct. No. Right? I have not. All right. So the first scene in it is, it is with the main character uh, who his name is Will McAvoy. And Will McAvoy talks about, you know, that well, a girl asks him, um, can you tell me why America is the greatest country on the planet? Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's two other, the Republican and a Democrat. One of the Democrat, you know, just talks about equality and something else. And the Republican just says freedom and freedom. You know, Will McAvoy, just the bipartisan person he is, he says the New York Jets are what's what make America great. <laughs> and then finally the host goes, no, 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 I'm going to hold you to an answer. Right. And he finally goes off and just basically says America's not the greatest country anymore. And he goes, you know, we're 47th in literacy. We're blah, 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 blah. And he just goes off and lays out all the statistics. Yeah. The only things that we're number one in are people who believe in angels number incarcerated per capita uh, and he goes and as well as defense spending which is more than the next 25 countries combined 24 of which are allies mm. okay so he, he lays it all and he talks about how we used to be great mm. and then so i know that trump's big thing was you know make america great again 
Like, do you think that America has ever been great? I, I think that I think the people here are pretty great in a lot of ways. So if you if you grow up with the mental idea, the framing of the freedoms that we have, and there's a lot of pressure we have not been under because of our economic status, right? We've had a lot of privilege here in this country, right? So we've been able to mature and grow in some ways that other people haven't. And, and there's a lot of really good people out there in this country. And there is people that came up with the idea of freedom, even if they might not really have it. Mm, <laughs> and that has framed us a certain way, right? And I, I do believe in the ingenuity of Americans. I think that we have vast wealth when it comes to creativity and kindness and a lot of these things. You know, and part of why we have developed this way is because the privileges we've had, right? But if you get down to it and pull that curtain back on Oz and take a look behind the curtain, um, a lot of us are actually enjoying the privilege because there's people suffering in other parts of the world, right? We go to Walmart and we buy these fucking fancy ass clothes, right? Fancy. Yeah, fancy. Right? But there's people that are living on less than $2 a day in sweatshops in other countries, and some of them are children, some yeah. of them are children that are working there, right? And we can we can save money and live better, right? But the truth is, is we don't see a lot of it and we don't want to see a lot of it. Here's a question that I'm going to piggyback on that answer. It, here's, a, here's a thought experiment that's been put out. And this is for you to ask yourself and other people to ask themselves at this moment, right? This, I don't know if you've ever heard this thought experiment. If, if you could make... $1,000 today and every day, but every day that you make $1,000, one person in the world dies and you don't have to know them. You could, but you don't have to. You don't even have to know where they are or, or, or the circumstances of their death. For every $1,000 that you take, one person's going to die. Would you take $1,000 a day? Nobody ever has to know. No one ever. Has Nobody to. ever has to know. Will I ever die? No, won't ever be you. No, I, I couldn't take the money. Most people say that they would take the money if nobody would ever know. This yeah. is most people. Yeah. Now, think about this. If you're one of those people that say, "Yeah, I would take a thousand dollars a day," if somebody somewhere in the world, we got too many fucking people. I don't have to know about it. Right? I don't have to experience the guilt associated with it. Right? I would take $1,000 a day, people would say. Okay, would you stop there? Would you take $100,000 a day and let 100,000 people die somewhere in the world? You don't have to know about it. Right? So there's people that, that would. Yeah. Right? There's people that do. There's do. Yeah. There's people do. that do. Well, that's what I was thinking. There's was people, like, people that do. Do this every day. There's people that do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and here in this country, we've enjoyed a lot of softness because there's people making those decisions and we don't see it or we don't want to see it. You know, we all know where the fucking clothes come from. We know. Yeah. We know. Is that sausage, that sausage metaphor? We know. We all like sausage, but no one wants to see how it's made. We know, we know about Walmart. I know about my lithium and my cell phone. It's like right now, how many motherfuckers is listening to this thing is going to eat at McDonald's when in Clantucky, or did I say that right? Can, can, Kentucky? Kentucky? This is something you can look up right now. Uh, the labor industries, government, 
will post this on their site, and it's been all across all the major news networks. Over 300 children were working in Klantucky, hmm? right? Two 10-year-olds were working at McDonald's. Two 10-year-olds were caught. They gave out over $200,000 in fines. That's it? Over Yeah, over 300 children. So that, that anti-child labor law stuff that the unions accomplished, yeah. that's out the Didn't fucking window in like, the world that we're living yeah. in right now. And, and 300, over 300? And we think, oh, Clan Tucky, or sorry, Kentucky. Oh, thought there was a new Kentucky. Country. I thought there was a new state. We think that that right to work state is not like us. But you know what? That shit's creeping in everywhere. Everywhere. It's becoming acceptable. And right now, there's a lot of people for us that it's acceptable that they work 80, 90 hours a week as an American. That's so wild, bro. To make ends meet. Is it acceptable? Just to get by. And then we wonder why the fucking political system's off the rails. Because nobody's paying attention because they can't. A hundred trillion percent. We're playing Monopoly. Yes, and some people got that fuck you Monopoly money, which is so yeah. crazy. You know, I I was thinking about this and I was like, just thinking about the numbers of things. And you know, when I was looking at that and, you know, I, I'm i no millionaire. So to think about that, like a million dollars, like never really creeps into my head. You know, obviously a billion doesn't. I'll see like nice yachts and houses and everything and see how much they are. But it's like, I never can really see myself in those places. Cause I'm like, bro, that's like an, a lot of fucking money. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do some shit to get that type of money, you know, mm-hmm. or you can win the lotto, but you just have to do some shit to even get your ticket. But <clears throat> you know, it's amazing how much $10,000, how little it is in comparison to what we hear sometimes, you know, billions of dollars and how much $10,000 could help so many people. Oh yeah. Like change their life shit. Like there's one bill that they just can't get out of, you know, they're $10,000 away from being debt free and it's their student loan. So every month it's still an extra 300, 400 bucks. It gets on top of it just added because you can't quite get there. And we could get there together a little bit easier than we can get there separately. Like that thought experiment thing that I just laid out. Mm -hmm. If everybody thinks along those lines, if I could take a thousand dollars and it's not going to affect my life, but somebody else that I don't know about is going to die. I think that is a lot of people. I think a lot of people would take that money, right? Because it seems like we kind of think about ourselves when it comes to things, Mm -hmm. right? And this is one of the things capitalism does is that pits us against one another, Mm -hmm. you know, and we compete at the job. And we compete at the schools yeah. and we compete in our sports, mm-hmm. right? It's all a competition and I'm going to tear you down and I'm going to make it and I'm going to cut corners and be creative. And I'm going to go goddamn um, James T. Kirk on the motherfucking test Ooh. if I have to, Ooh. you know what I mean? He okay. bent the rules a little bit oh, to yeah. become captain of the hey, ship. bro, he didn't cheat. Yeah, he, he just bent the rules, bent a, little the rules bit. a little bit. You know what I mean? Just put a little thumb in there. Wasn't lying. No, he just got comfortable. telling you everything. Dude, and we, 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 we've we had presidents cheat their way into the fucking spot. Yeah. And and what do we do as a country? Not a goddamn thing. I'm going to support him still. Some people do. Well, you know, this is what I was saying to my friend today, right? He's, he's a Republican, and I actually agree with a lot of the views that he has, and a lot of Republicans. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I could see both sides of them. But this is my question. Right. We have socialism. We have uh, democracy. We have 
communism, we have all these things that have been around forever. Aren't we as human beings so much more advanced in the world today? And can we not come up with something different? Can we not come up with something that has not been before? We could. We could. We could. We could. We don't. We go after the things that have, have been easy, like Christianity. Oh, it's easy for me to accept this because it's been around for a while. It's, it's kind of funny because you, you're right, because it is. It's like, oh, I'm just going to follow the doctrine of what's been going on since the beginning of time. I'm not going to try to change anything. I'm just going to try to get a lot of troops and go attack people. Oversimplified answers to complicated questions. Yeah, for sure. Because we are, it's, uh, it is easy. It's like so many things are just so easy on the surface, but it's just the one person like going against the grain, you know, even if it's pro or negative or pro or con, however you want to look at it, positive or negative, you know, it's just like, there's that one person. It's always that one person. So you've got this fucking AI shit that's about to break, right? Mm-hmm. They're projecting 300 million jobs in the U.S. are going to go away. Go Go away, right? So here's, here's the thing. When those jobs go away, why don't we tax those companies that make and use AI 98% and use that money to take care of the people that are no longer working? Maybe... Maybe those taxes could go towards mm. education. Oh, guess what, motherfucker? You ain't got to go to work no more, but hey, there's some free-ass schools. There's some free-ass schools. Maybe as collectively uh, a people, we can set our minds to growing. I mean, that would be dope. That would. We got the time, right? Dude, it'd be so sick to see a planet where it was just fucking smart people. Learn the guitar. Dude. Just skills. Like your yeah. your job is like, your job this year is to learn the guitar. And, and maybe some people don't have their sights set that high. Maybe somebody wants to perfect the art of the blowjob. But I'm saying. Maybe you get to go hey, to blowjob to school. their own. You know, I'm to not going to judge. I am not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. If you think that's how we're going to better society, open up, let's go, <laughs> volunteer if you need some practice. I know I'm opening up a school. <laughs> For profit. Because this is America. This is America. That's funny. But for real, you know who put out that idea of of taxing the the AI companies 98%? Elon Musk. No, the ex-CEO of Google that stepped down because of his concerns for AI. That was his suggestion in his book. Yeah, I kept, I was, I wanted to read that, but for some reason I didn't do that today. I totally forgot. Dang it. Mm. Dang it. All right. Well, hey. Guess what? The story happened, so it ain't going anywhere because <laughs> it's on the internet until they scrub it. Because you know that's true. No, just maybe not. But dude, I thought it was a brilliant idea. Um, I mean, yeah, okay. Th- there's going to be these companies that are going to have all this money that they're going to make off of AI, and jobs are going to disappear. And guess who's going to lose? The peoples. The people. Yeah. The peoples. But why does it have to be that way? Isn't our taxes supposed to benefit us? Our government, one of the things that it does is decides what to do with the funds that it raises, like how to take care of us with our roads and our schools and things like that, right? Do you feel taken care of? No. No. Not at all. There used to be a saying called taxation without representation, and that's why we fucking fought back against that's what England. I 
That's what I thought. Yeah. That's why I drink coffee. I don't drink tea. I don't feel represented. Not at all, bro. Not at all. Not at all. Dude, I called the police last year, right? When my wallet got stolen out of the fucking uh, the gym. Uh-huh. They don't do that anymore, apparently. That's not a crime. <laughs> they're, they're like, uh, we can't help you. Not really. You know, if you want, we can fill out a police report. In case you want to submit it to yeah. <laughs> insurance, insurance or pretty something. Much it, yeah, 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 that's pretty that's much it. it. My mom got robbed, and that's all. That's all they said too. Like, well, well, you can take this to your insurance company. But they do show up when they're going to evict you out of your home right because away. you've missed your rent. Excuse me. Excuse right? me. In some places, it's like a five day turnaround. Excuse me, Mister G. <laughs> um, just curious. Uh, you possibly not pay your rent this month? Goddamn right. Yeah, bro, because I'm standing up to the man right now. I'm saving up for blowjob school. That's I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to build up. Rent and they're going to come. And they will come. <laughs> and I will come. And we will come together. Mm. 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 <laughs> uh, you know, it might not be that bad of a thing if the robots take over. Hey, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> oh. So it is... It's a really interesting time to be alive, mm. uh, you know, and I, and I wonder if it always feels like that, no matter how old you are. No, you know? this is an interesting time okay, to be alive. Okay, and that yes. was going to be my next question to you, yeah, and then yeah, I was going to yeah. segue. I was going to say, does it feel different now than you would say even like 30 years ago? Yeah. The yeah, but the here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. With the technology that we have t- today, and I've said this once before on the podcast, but this is an idea worth repeating. And I'll probably say again, we are more connected as a people than ever before in human history. We are more overpopulated as a, well, world populated than we've ever been in human history. There's never been a population as large as it is now. And we've never had such instant connectivity as we have now. But has there ever been a time that people have felt so alone and isolated? Mm-mm. Think about that. Think about that. And since coronavirus, we've actually retreated a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We're a little bit more disconnected. And when this, when the, when the V, you know, VR stuff happens and we're able to plug in and let's say be, you know, a God in our own little world. Have you seen the the new Apple One glasses? No. They look just like Ready Player One. Just mm. like Ready Player One, man. It's crazy. Like, they look exactly like them. But you were right. I mean, I, I one of the first things I ever heard you say when I met you, and I think I was just overhearing, is you, you mentioned Ready Player One. Mm. And I remember I was thinking the first time I ever read that book, this shit's fucking real, bro. We ain't far away. You know, and I think the first time I read it was already when the cell phone was invented. So, cause it was later on. Like I, I actually, my sister-in-law had it and I just took it from a garage sale cause I saw the book so many times and she goes, I think you would like it. But I opened it up. I didn't put it down cause mm-hmm. I thought it was such a good story. Clive Owen, bro. Just killed it. Dude, I, I kind of hope, and this is a scenario that could happen also. I kind of hope it all backfires. Hmm. I hope that AI gets smart as fuck and develops some kind of um, consciousness where they start to see the ethics of things. I mean, it would be very easy for AI to look into the world and go, yeah, this place is fucked up, but why would we wipe out everyone? Why would we do that? 
when when most people are pretty fucking good. Yeah. Let's put an end to the stranglehold that is upon this world. So many so many things just went into my head. Right? Yeah. Like let's say the Terminator ain't there to kill all of us. You know, they they come to me and you, they're like, excused. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> Miss Miss fucking Karen down the block, excused. Like- Jeremy working the convenience store, excused. You know what I mean? Tiffany over there at the barbecue spot. Sorry. Excused. Oh, you, no, you no, like no. But then Mr. Walmart. Um, you I want to talk to you, motherfucker. <laughs> Who knows? Go sit down on the other line. Who knows? It's a possibility, it's right? It's possible. It's possible. Yeah, definitely. Anything is. Anything is possible. Mm. Mm. It doesn't always have to end with fucking flames and zombies, right? <laughs> Not, well, <laughs> it's the only thing we know. It's the only thing we've seen. Exactly. You know? So why? Exactly. And that goes into everything. Dude, I had a professor, I believe. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I just got excited because I just had a flashback. But she goes, if you ever want to see the future, just watch a movie. And she goes, anything that you see in a movie becomes real. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, bah, ha, ha, ha. And the, the example that she gave was, she goes, let me give you one that you guys don't even think about. And it was the movie Die Hard. And she talks about just like technology. And in Die Hard, there's a touch screen. And the guy says, pretty cool, huh? Mm-hmm. Like it's a big deal. And at the time, it was a big deal. You know, it was huge. Like we still can't travel like Star Trek, how they, you know, go from one place to another where they just basically, what is it called when they beam, beam down? Yeah, beam me down, Yeah, Scotty. teleport, teleport. Whatever the fuck beam it is. me down, Scotty. Yeah, we haven't, but, you know, it's getting there. Well, actually, actually they've been able to. I knew you were going <laughs> to. Yeah, they, they've been able to send things around. Yes. It's quantum entanglement is mm-hmm. what I believe that it's called. Yes. Where you can take an atom on this side of the fucking planet and affect it on the other mm-hmm. side of the planet. So time and space don't fucking matter nah. in the world of quantum physics. 100%. And that's the reality of the world. And just, the I universe. think in the last month, scientists in the quantum realm were able to reverse time reverse time yeah for the first time <laughs> now that's just the quantum realm that, that that doesn't follow the same laws that our reality follows yeah, but however the motherfuckers did it but that's but that's how it all starts man that is how like, it starts it's how it starts you know um so i believe it was this the collider the CERN collider there was a, a positive net game in energy for the first time ever and this mm. happened maybe like six months ago and there's been a lot of shit that's going on with that CERN. And some people say that that's a whole conspiracy theory in itself. But I, I remember sitting there and I'm like, this is how horrible this is going to sound. I was with some girl. I don't even remember what girl I was with. But I said to her, I go, remember this day? Because this is the day they invented time travel. Mm. And she goes, what? And I go, this is the day they invented time travel. I go, there was positive gain and energy. I go, and that's what we need. We need energy. And then she was just like, yeah, we'll see you fucking psycho. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And then, but, um, but I was trying to say that to her, you know, the same thing that you're talking about. Like, yeah, bro, there's some shit there that that's just the next generation of discovery, you know, the human thing. And that's what's so dope about humans, man, to me. And the people that are working three jobs, they don't have time to they pay don't attention. Time. And there's probably people that could figure this shit out. 
Mm-hmm. But they're sitting there getting mad at you or they arguing with some dude because you ran at a pepperoni. Now, now you go back, let's say, 100-something years ago, right? If you were going to do laundry, it was an all-day process. Yeah. Right? Um, there was a reason why father went to work and mother stayed home. Because it took that much work to run the household. Mm-hmm. Right. About the same time that women's liberation came around. Right. And women started to go to work. All of a sudden we have all these modern conveniences like washing machines and dryers and microwaves and all these things that are time saving devices. Do you know that people have less free time now than they did back then? And one of the reasons is, is because with all these time-saving devices, people have done this new thing called multitasking, right? People only had tasks before. They weren't able to wash the fucking clothes at the same time that they were cooking the dinner and doing this and doing that because they had to be focused on what the fuck they were doing because they had to do it, (laughs) you know? But this is something that scientists have actually talked about in the world of our society is is we have all these conveniences, but we actually have less time because now we take on more things to do. And as a result of taking on more things to do, we have added stress. 100%. Right? And with that added stress, we also have broken focus because we had a state of mindfulness right? When our mind was full with one task. And now, because our mind is on many tasks, we're multitasking, we have a divided mind and Mm. more stress and broken homes. (laughs) All right. Well, we just solved every situation to the world. Um, But blowjob school's on its way. And I mean, that just is icing on the cake. That's happening. This is really happening. This is the world I live in. This is amazing. Um, I don't even know what do we have for time. Oh, do we? We actually have a little bit of time. Do you want to take this in any direction oh, you want? Seven forty-four. Now mm. you know we do this in the evening. Hey, hey. Oh, but it's so dark here. No, just joking. Well, I can tell you this. I'm I'm excited. Whenever we get done, I got a new song coming out. Um, well, not coming out, but um, I went to the studio this past Sunday. I recorded three songs. One of the songs that I, I recorded was one called Bedtime Stories. Mm. Right, which I wrote for my daughter. Oh, and yeah, <laughs> it's not those kind of bedtime <laughs> stories. Get your mind out the goddamn gutter. Scratch that. Scratch that. Well, you know, I, I raised my daughter. I was a single parent for a long time, and I took care of her ever since she was born. Her mother was actually uh, disinterested almost immediately. <laughs> you know, she <laughs> just well, at, a, at her being a year and a half old, she came to me one day and said, "I don't want to be a wife. I don't want to be a mother. I want to be young and free and do things." Okay. All right. So I had already been taking care of her pretty much for the last year and a half. So it wasn't that much of a difference. It's just I had the safety net of somebody else in the fucking house, you know, stepping out. But, um, you know, I I basically raised my daughter. And, um, you know, I've mentioned on the podcast, she ran away at 15. She is now 22 years old. And we have a different type of relationship today. But one of the big things that I instilled in her was reading. She didn't have a television in her house for the first couple of years on the planet, right? I just never had a TV out or around. I kept my TV in the closet. And when I wanted to watch a movie, when she was in bed, I'd break the TV out. <laughs> That's dope. But books were a big deal for her, right? Bedtime stories, right? I read to her every single night. Shit like Shel Silverstein. Sub right? your sidewalk. And dude, we always had the music kicking. 
Like one of the big tracks that was big back when she was real small, Drop It Like It's Hot, mm. right? That song was always knocking, right? And and that type of stuff. Eminem was the kind of stuff that she would have going on in the background, Hell right? Yeah. And this is what she likes today, <laughs> you know? No who, coincidence. Who would have known? What? No but so I wanted to I wanted to write a song for my daughter and um, my dude Rob just mixed it, sent it over. So when we get done, I'm gonna go jump in the Mustang and crank up that's the what, tunes and let that thing bang. I respect how respect how you do that. Mm. You know, when you told me that you would drive around and just listen to it, I was like, dude, that's actually pretty dope. Oh, I practice too. Yeah. I, I I let my 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 um, new tracks bump in the car. I feel it in my chest, mm. and I get on it, dude. <sighs> you probably hear me sometimes here <sighs> in the house getting on it. It gets a little wild. Yeah, I do. I have to. I feel it. Yeah. Well, that's the good man because that's yeah. true art, true passion. But I'm closing in on 52 tracks. That's how many weeks there are in a year. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, but, but this one's a special one, Bedtime Stories, because I wrote it for my daughter. It's the first one I've ever written for, for her. Um, it might be the last, I don't know. Who knows? And, um, I'm excited to hear it when we get done. Yeah. Nah, that's, I mean, it's just amazing watching you do all this. It's pretty cool. Cause I, I mean, I have like a first, you know, shotgun seat, front, front row seat to see how it's all getting done and seeing you put in the work in and a song a week is crazy. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a lot of work. It's not easy, and I see you, you know, putting the putting the work in. So I gotta just give you props because, you know, you, anytime it's like can't hate, right? You can't hate when someone does some shit. It's like, dude, if I was not working, I would crush it. Yeah, you talk about a song a day. Oh, bro, it would be. It would be. Oh yeah, it would be. Yeah, and and you know, I'd, I'd throw some of them out. A hundred percent. But it's, <laughs> wouldn't keep but the all thing, of them. The thing, the thing is, is if I can give any, because I have a. Danda and Jasper Lee's new album will be coming out soon. Mm. Uh, we'll be dropping that actually in probably the end and of the month. And where's he from? Um, he is from Lagos, Nigeria. And he's bringing in that sexy boy flavor, trying to be the new Akon, which I appreciate. No, that's not true. He'll probably be mad that I said that. But um, <clears throat> but we are, um, you know, we're going to be putting that album out soon. And I just know that if I can give any, 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 advice to artists. It's just to keep recording music. Um, and that's what I've kind of said to Jasper, you know, you don't have to go to the studio, but just always keep doing something. Yeah. Um, you know, even if it's just writing some poems, writing this, you don't have to use like verses can be, you know, versatile. They don't have to just be used for one song and you can definitely look at beats. Uh, your boy's probably going to come out of retirement for the 18th time, maybe Need the 20th to. time. Yeah. Need to. Yeah, well. Art's got to say something in the world today. Because mm. art has the power to affect change and get people to think differently. Even if it's shaking their ass, dude. You know what? It makes them feel the moment and forget about the troubles out there. I mean, mm. I hope everyone has a great week. <laughs> that was pretty well done. Mm. Um, we are about 50 minutes in. I can keep going. No, I'm going to go get me a popsicle and listen to my fucking new song, oh, Bedtime Stories. Go. I'm going to get out of my work clothes because I look like I was, look like I'm a used car salesman today. But, but you know, it, you're the host of this thing, but I just oh, want to say yeah. as, as being the interviewee this time, go Hawks. <laughs> as your host with the most... That must boast. West Coast. Let's go Hawks. <laughs> we out, y'all. Curious G. Ace Cannon.
so Sean. How that feels, man? It feels good, man. <laughs> filthy. Feels hot as hell outside. Filthy. Oh, feels. Feels filthy. <laughs> like temptation bite. <laughs> filthy, filthy, filthy. I remember this was one. This is one that we made together over the phone, right? Did we make this one over the phone? Yes, it I is. Feel like we kind of picked the yes, instruments. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We kind of picked the instruments, and I wanted that jazzy sound to it on the horns. Yep. Um, and you know, this is one of the ones that like uh, that has a little bit of dance stuff at the end of it. Like we haven't oh, done, yeah. we haven't done too much of that. I don't think since this album. In fact, I. I want to say maybe this was the last one we did that has the dance stuff on it. Um, maybe Gobble had some of that kind of at the end of it, but uh, yeah, this I I, th I think so. This one has the the gnarly 808 section at the very very end, and it's like one of my favorite parts of the song because every time I play it, I'm like, oh man. This was a badass song. And then when it gets to the end and you're about to like, you know, I'm like going to skip to the next track on the record or whatever. I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't touch the dial. Let that ride. <laughs> Let that ride out. This is honestly one of my favorite songs to perform out of out of everything that we've done. It's 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 easy in the top five of, of performance uh, as far as the way it feels when I do it. Like I, I get pretty aggressive on the mic with this one. So tell... Uh, you want to tell the listeners a little bit of the backstory of what the song's about and how it came to be writing wise? Well, we did go into that on the on the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. it, it is a little bit about you know being a criminal and and living in poverty growing up, you know and and um, when you're in the middle of that stuff uh, and and you're meeting your needs through those ways, it feels good to get a full belly. That's all you know, right. You know, and that's that's right. kind of the idea. But somewhere in this song, like it, in the third verse, it kind of twists and turns. It it leaves the idea of being a criminal and goes more towards art. Um, and and that's one of the things that I wanted the music to be is is very um, catchy because I was caught up by the art. You know, it was uh, something that kind of got me away from and probably kept me a little bit more centered. You know, got me away from a certain right. lifestyle. Right. When when you say speak up buttercup, wicked tongue whips them rides, split quick, got that sweet sugar stick type of life, honey eyed, lip luscious kiss, don'ts this right here, just take a taste like this. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that that <laughs> who's the but who's the buttercup? Like is it a metaphor? Like who's the buttercup in that situation? Who are you talking to on that? You know, I kind of pictured that lifestyle. So I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I was uh, cracking all those safes when I was 18 years old. I lived yeah. I lived with two girlfriends at the same time. And right. I was picturing that lifestyle. You know, Buttercup would just be like a female around. Uh, the, the whips, you know, would be a, a flashy-ass car. Me and all my friends, right. we had muscle cars. I had a 72 Pontiac Le Mans that I would race frequently. You know, like... No shit. Oh, no shit, dude. I, uh, I outran the cops with that motherfucker. I was chased by uh, dogs and helicopters, and I got to that car, and I got the fuck out of Dodge. Um, so that's that split quick, you know, sugar stick type of life, right? It, it's sticky sweet, right? Like it, it draws you in. Um, right. when we were doing the things that we were doing, um, you know, there was a lot of things that was tempting about all that. That's why in, in the first verse, it says filthy, like temptation bite, you know, I picture like biting the apple, right? Like uh, garden of Eden, you know, 
all of a sudden you're in the middle of that shit and it feels good, you know? And when you say, oh yeah, am I wasting breath on some version of fight back death, that sweet tooth lick kind of talk, bitter truce, twist, get bitters, y'all, nourish in a burden. Are you talking about like getting out of the struggle of poverty? <laughs> that's kind of thing. That's funny like, as hell to try to <laughs> hear you read the way it's I It's so write. hard to like. Dude, yeah. <laughs> and, and I got that Southern way of, of speaking sometimes when I'm doing my rap. I've leaned into I'm that. I'm Northwestern proper yeah, boy, yeah, yeah. man. It's so yeah. hard to like read it back like, with no, like, no like twang or read, no swag. You're trying to read that dare, you know, and for people that aren't, aren't hip on what I'm actually writing, that is D-A-T and dare <laughs> is not there, right? It's D-A-I-R. You know, so I, I write phonetic, you know, uh, phonetically. How do you say that? Phonetically? Phonetically. Phonetically, the way that um, I want it to sound, right? And I, I, I was an English major, to be honest with you. I can write with some intelligence. But I, yeah. I, I do this for a specific reason, because when I'm writing it this way, it, it's giving me an indication of how the sound needs to be. Um, so for me, that's, that's the important part. But, you know, the, oh, yeah, my wasting breath, um, some, yeah. sometimes I feel like, you know, like, uh, the, the points that I'm trying to make, like, I feel like I am wasting breath, you know, like, I don't know if people are always grasping it. And in this song, I was getting kind of poetic and I was wondering, I was asking myself at the time I was writing it, am I, am I, uh, wasting breath on some version of fight back death? Because that's what this art is, right? Like these songs, like I'm exposing some things about myself to kind of fight back the numb, the death the the separation in our society you know i'm opening the door to my life for a specific reason not not to gain attention but to um try to bring a healing in some things and i actually ask myself that question am i wasting breath on some version of fight back death you know is, is this doing any good at all you know so the bitter that's the bitter truth you know <laughs> and uh when it says nourishes a burden i was thinking back to when i was young and how much of a burden it was just to um right make ends meet so out of out of all the songs on sacrificing the silence would you say this is one of your favorites in general because you said it was your favorite to perform um, what, what about in the comparison to the rest of the project? Like with songs like Here I Am, Outside, Gobble, Schooled, Lynch Mob, uh, Got Water, Open Dude, this, Man. this, this could possibly be my favorite album. Um, this is the one that I got the most personal. Um, this song is extremely personal. Here I Am is extremely personal. The, right. the Man is extremely personal. And Open Hearts is extremely personal. Those four tracks in and of themselves, I'm really saying a lot about who I am, right? Oh yeah, uh, stuff like water and schooled and gobble. Like I'm, I'm, I'm bringing some issues that are important to me out, and and things like that. But but this song, like it's giving people a look into, um, I guess, some of the darkness in my history, you know. Um, and you know, a lot of times people don't want to talk about this shit. Um, I ain't necessarily proud of who I've been, but if it really can help, I'm all about it. Well, if you think about it, I mean, I've got to know you over the last like eh, two years or so, and you, you've 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 opened up to me to a certain extent on like your past and you know like the 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 safe kraken and you know the some of the family situations you came from in Florida or whatever. Um, it's crazy how like 
some of these beats, especially on that album and this one, it's kind of like, if you listen to the instrumental, you feel like it's kind of like, like you said, dancey, kind of happy. The horn progression on it sounds like kind of fun and cool. You know what I mean? Jazzy swing. But if you listen to the lyrics, like if you listen to the song and didn't like pay attention to it, it was in the background or whatever, you'd think it's kind of like a dancey fun vibe. But um, one thing you've taught me is like, it's always a little bit deeper. This is never surface level with especially that project. Um, it's kind of almost a sad song kind of, Sean. It's it's about getting out of poverty and, you know, getting to where you want to go because a lot, a lot of people know you, but and I, I've gotten to know you, but where you used to be, the life you used to live, Sean, and where you live now, you're a success story, man. Like sometimes you got to, you know, stand back and smell the roses. Like look how far you've come, right? You know? And that's, and that's just one of the things that I actually think about often. Um, it isn't necessarily where we are in life. It's how far we have come, right. you know? Yes. And, and you know, where I am in life, uh, you know, I could have been farther along, I think in a lot of ways than, than I am, but in uh, a spiritual sense, um, it is amazing to me that, uh, that I am where I am. Um, because honestly, you know, this, this project, I'm giving everything to it. And it's because right. I, I believe that, that we're at a time and, and place in history that's very unique. And I think that if, oh, yeah. if, if anything, we have to bring light to the value that we have in each other. You know, uh, human beings in, in our country has the more value than anything else that we have. And I don't right. want that to be forgotten or lost. And art, for me, is one of the things that has brought me to the place that I am. So art is also one of the things that I think can bring people closer and maybe out of a dark world. I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you. I looked at my mother and thought, who in the fuck is this goddamn person? This is not the same person I remember as a kid. Growing up, I had no idea who she was as a person. Mainly because I didn't want to get caught. I was doing some nefarious shit. Most teenage boys get into some shit. Usually when our dick starts to give us advice. Go ahead. Grab a titties. No, we're in church. Do it during the prayer. The eyes are shut. I know, motherfucker, shut up. No, my stupid shit went way beyond dick advice. I did shit that made my dick nervous. Hey, you sure about this, man? Look here, bully. You see me getting nervous? You get nervous. Otherwise, relax. Here's an example. My best friend was getting his ass kicked by his dad. I didn't know what to say when he asked me for help. So I said, you can just move in with me. <laughs> like I paid bills. Shit, man, I didn't know the price of cereal. All of a sudden, I'm Big Willie. My mom and I lived alone. I was 17 and trying to be a man. I thought a real man was James Bond. James Bond didn't ask nobody for nothing. He didn't ask for permission, not for forgiveness, and he didn't even really try to sweet-talk the pussy. He just dropped his name, 
and took the pussy. James Bond gave his name to everyone he met like, what the fuck you gonna do? I'm James Bond, bitch. That's what's up. So I get home from work that night. My mom's asleep. From the shadows, I can see a dude lurking in the darkness. My dick was honestly a bit nervous. Turned out to be just my buddy. That dude thought I meant that shit that I said. Fuck no. I was just doing some James Bond type shit. I didn't mean that shit. That's like asking a motherfucker at the bus stop, Hey man, how you doing? That's just some shit that we say. No one gives a fuck. You ride the fucking bus. Nobody cares about bus people. Just say you're fine and get on the goddamn bus, fool. Another thing that James Bond never said. Well, shit. Guess I was wrong. No, Bond never said that shit, so neither did I. I moved that motherfucker in the house. He lived with us for six months, and my unattentive mother was clueless. I said to my friend, Look, bro, mom's asleep. When I go to school, me and you, we can creep out then. When we get back from school, she'll be at work. I'll just get you a job where I work, because by the time we get home, she'll be asleep. When do you see her, he asks. On the weekends. But you're just going to sleep over on the weekends, see? Or we say that we're sleeping over at your house, and we go fuck off, right? Right. Now, we can't fuck around and eat here. We're going to eat at the school or the restaurant where I work. We're going to keep our showers under three minutes so we don't jack up the water bill tipping her off. Cool? Cool. Cool. Why my dick is chiming in, I'm really not sure. Anyways, I felt a bit like James Bond at that point. Now, I always locked my bedroom door. Never wanted to get caught badgering the witness. But one day, my mom woke me up early as fuck beating on the door. And I had this dude in my room. My biggest fear wasn't getting caught with him sleeping in our house. It was that this might look kind of gay, especially since we had on our whitey tighties at the time. Now in the 80s, no one really had a clue that that was kind of dumb. And chicks, they still had pussy fros. Anyways, I didn't care about getting in trouble for other shit. I just didn't want to have to explain why I was hiding a dude wearing underwear in my room. James Bond never covered that kind of shit, so I was at a loss. I get this dude to squeeze between my bed and the wall and hide. Meanwhile, I'm hiding this motherfucker in this crevice space of about six inches wide. The whole time, my dick is losing his fucking dick mind. I try to tell my dick to chill for a minute, but he starts making accusations about my sexuality. To this day, the bully can't let that shit go. My mom comes in the room full-on crazy. I was thinking that James Bond would have slapped the bitch. And I would have. But I was a bit distracted, arguing with my dick, 
who was convinced I was going to make him fuck this dude. To this day, I have no idea what the fuck my mother ever said. All I know is the second that I shut the door, this fuckface that I had wedged between my bed and the wall started to snore. Jesus Christ! I would rather get caught by my mother's church group exercising my rights to pictures of animals than to have to explain this shit here. Still, I couldn't wake up my friend abruptly. He might scream or some shit, and then the jig would be up. So here I am. I'm whispering softly to a dude wearing underwear with a wedgie riding up his ass. Hey, bro. Hey, man. Wake up. Meanwhile, the bully's giving me shit. Why not tickle his balls, you fucking fairy? Anyway, I never did get caught by my mother. And she never figured out shit. But now that I'm older, I realize my mom may have been hiding some things, too. She wasn't watching me because she didn't want to get caught. At 50... I started taking care of my mother. She was 78, not very well at the time. Now, she's a church lady at this point, dumb as a bag of wet rocks sitting in the rain, but a nice person. You'd like her. Anyway, it may surprise you that you can really learn a lot about someone when you start paying attention. And honestly, mother and I, when we watched television, she would get lost on every show that we ever watched, no matter what the story time. But there was two situations that she became the old fox when watching one of these stories. See, she would pick up on shit, kind of like Michael Jackson in a game of grab ass. If anyone did some shit with drugs, she had that shit dialed in. She could do pot math in her head just looking at the bag on television. Like fucking Rain Man. Hold up the bag. Oh, two pounds, eight ounces. Purple hair funk. That'll be $4,500 normally, but uh, since we're in that after Christmas drought, that'll bump up to about five grand flat. God damn, Mom. The other shit that Mom knows about. Ho shit. Oh, she's gonna fuck him. What, Mama? What? Oh, nothing. You want to go to church this Sunday? I think not. Gay people go to church. You shut the fuck up and mind your business, you little bully. I'm watching you, you fucking pole smoker, you. Now, listen. It's fucked up when you realize that you have an elderly hoe for a mama. I started to remember hoe shit that my mama did when I was a kid. My mom would take me to a bar on a school night and sit there making eye contact with dudes until she got a drink for free. That's right. In the 70s in Florida, you can bring your kids to the bar and no one said shit. Oh, the dude that bought her a drink would say some things like, Hey, slugger, how you doing? But me, I wasn't some dumb seven-year-old on the bus. I would stare at that motherfucker, too. Just like a little pimp. Look, man, pinball ain't free, motherfucker. You want I should hang out with you guys? I could ask some dumbass questions. And I would end up getting some of his money 
and go off for a bit. Then I'd turn back just as I'm leaving, say, now you know I ain't ate shit today, motherfucker, so I'll be back in a minute when I get hungry. For now, I gotta handle this bionic woman pinball bitch. Shit, we stayed camped out on the beach one time for three nights. It was a Sunday night when we came back, and Mom was drunk like a motherfucker. She drove over the median in the middle of US-1 on her way home and almost hit a cop in his car. Now, I had been wearing the same pair of cutoffs for three days, sleeping on the beach and eating bologna. I'm in the front seat, age seven, with I don't give a fuck sunglasses on. It may be two o'clock in the morning, but no one in this car seems to care. And I ain't wearing a seatbelt because I ain't scared of shit. Now, when we got pulled over, and we did get pulled over, did mom get a DUI? Not in the fucking 70s. As a white woman in Florida? Mama pulled out her hoe card. And we ended up going to the cop shop right around the corner so she could get her head right. They served her coffee. I got hot chocolate. And the cops got her number. Are you going to be okay, honey, driving home? Yeah, I always sober up when I roll down the windows and drive fast. Well, alrighty then. Shit, I'm telling you, you kids today would have not been able to survive in the 70s. We didn't get helmets. No one asked about our feelings. And no one cared to hear our opinions. No adults under any circumstances ever wanted to be our friend. Any adult that did try to be our friend was going to fuck us. You didn't need to be an altered boy to figure that out. Anyways, my mother sobered up when I was about nine. And shortly after that, she started going to church. And I forgot all about that shit about mama being a hoe. At 50, it's like I was just unplugged from the fucking normal matrix. I think it's because the same time mama grew a conscious... So did my dick. Hey, fuck playing tag. Let's play Dutch. Anyway, I quit listening to my mom by the time I was 12. All I could hear was this little fucking bully. But now, I remember that Tupperware lady was slinging dope at the Tupperware parties. Look, you just have to snap the pop, just like this, on the top of your Tupperware. And your stash will remain fresh. Who in the fuck are you, old lady? Well, that's the show for this week. I am Curious G. This is Truth Power. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. Next week, we are going to be getting into labor issues. And the track that introduces the idea of labor issues is the song Gobble. Hope you enjoy Country consumption, the way they thumped in The way we get early worm rise up to bumpin' A whole gravy baby, no, uh, not for nothing Work then, constant nonsense, consumption We get a hero's tale, overcome, storyline and line Set to numb, work, consume, you spin that wheel Is that how all y'all feel? Uh, is that how hamsters feel? Cynical, cynical, resentful, sweet 
Consumed so, so, so incomplete. Cyclical, cynical, resentful, sweet. Consumed so, so, so incomplete. That's the way we get to bumping, riding sun, rough and tumbling. Pray, baby, tell me something. Knuckle bust, kind of thumping. That's the way we get to bumping, riding sun, rough and tumbling. Pray, baby, tell me something. Knuckle busting, kind of thumping. Artful's ways we watch, just watch, clock around the clock. Stomp consumption, endless talk, street, hot, block, march, half, cock, knock, divide, two, side, chop. What's right look like when it pop? Long since I felt that drop, I see it perfect, fit the screen. Dreams end, caught up in sleep. Morning splits, us from slumber, given this. Knocks to hunger, drift, swim, going under. Work that work, no time for plunder. Opinions given, no one heard. Breathless burden, tied to work. Step aside, I'm in the earth. Dreams may die for what's life worth. Melancholy trudges towards ungrounded mirth. Consumption of your mind, never mind the hurt. <laughs> Bumping, work that work spend quick consumption. That's the way we get to bumping. Work that work spend quick consumption. That's the way we get to bumping. Work that work spend quick consumption. That's the way we get to bumping. Work that work spend quick consumption. Hungry, no other Hurt that hurt. Back to work, my dumpling. Sweetest tongues talk consumption. Desires bought, y'all come a running. What food you grow from field to plate? What you create, what you make. It's like we picking locks outside of heaven's gate. Claiming lost. Come right in, quick into fate We're on the clock, no time to wait It's right to work, you don't be late It's right to work, you're right to break Right? Hell yes! Right this way They could've just said right to become a slave <laughs> That would be too clear That's the way we get to bumping Riding sun, rough and tumbling Riding sun, rough and tumbling Pray baby, tell me something Pray baby, tell me something This knuckle-busting kind of thumping This knuckle-busting kind of thumping Bumpin' like we know a little something Gobble up sweet consumption Get it all right, chill, leaving nothing Is that Grinch slink thinking thunkin'? Jeez Louise, my heart a thumpin' We all gravy, baby, like uglies bumpin' Raw through, rough and tumblin' Raw through, rough and tumblin' Raw through, rough and tumblin' Steady chopping, axe, downloaded mental trap, classic cycle, right on track, up deep programming. <laughs>